and welcome to Talkie Talk, podcast for the media by us. My name is Brent. I'm here today with Chris. Hello. And TJ. Chris. And TJ. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, we're going to be talking about what we've been watching, and we're going to follow that up with a quick rundown of recent news, followed by recommendations for what to go see this weekend at the movie theater. Followed by saying goodbye. Followed by saying goodbye. Followed by an outro song. Followed by silence. <laughs> so uh, and then the rest. Unless of you life, wait till Thursday and just listen to both episodes at once, and you'll hear a greeting. But the rest of your life is silence after our outro. Never finish it. Followed by you looking for the next podcast. Followed by the intro song to that podcast. Uh, Chris, let's start with you. What you've been watching, or playing, or doing? Listening okay. to you in rare circumstances. Well. I had brought a live demo of one thing, but it didn't work out because it's having problems against the internet. But I've been having a fun time playing Tetris 99, which is a Battle Royale Tetris game on the Switch. Uh, There was a Nintendo Direct like three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, that they all of a sudden were just like, hey, in Tetris 99, here's a trailer for it, and it's out now, it's free. It's like, if, you, if you're already signed up for online service, which is 20 bucks a year, then it's free. You can play it against other people online. So, I'm having a lot of fun. It's a it's a deeper Tetris game than I thought it would be. So, what are the... How's the Battle Royale mechanics work? So, you see your screen. It's big. It's like a regular-looking Tetris well. And you see all around the outside the other 98 screens... Uh, kind of like a really low poly resolution version of them. And you can, whenever you clear lines, you get, you like send junk to whoever you're targeting. Like a Dr. Mario fashion sort of kind of. Right, except it's a battle royale, so it's whoever you're targeting. And you can either do like their auto target thing, which is like you can target people who are attacking you. You could target people who are close to being KO'd. You can target people who have uh, a lot of badges, which you get badges when you knock players out, and it makes your line clearing send more junk. Um, because when you be- KO someone with badges, then you get their badges, and so it just has a multiplicative okay. effect. Um, or you can make it, set it to target random. Or you can choose individually if you want, but that's too much coordination. So is it like, when your screen fills up, are you out? Is You're, it like the last yep. person to have their screen fill up? Yep. Okay. Nice. That sounds fun. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting, and there's um, is it just on Switch right now? Yep, just on Switch. It's probably where it will stay. Right. Um, but yeah, it's kind of neat because I haven't played a Tetris game in a long time, but I played a ton of Tetris on the Game Boy. Yeah, like I think everybody did. Yeah, because yeah. th- that was always such Still a like, technically the best selling game of all time or something. Yeah, that it was just like a weird like palate cleansing game where if you like. You know, I had lots of times where, like my battery would die in the middle of like Pokemon, and I'd be like, "Well, fuck! I don't want to have to replay all that stuff." Or you know, I'd get frustrated because lots of Game Boy games were garbage. So, did you guys ever play the Spider-Man Game Boy game? Mm-mm. Oh, it was awful, and it was like yeah, anything like that was always awful. Like with like the Lion King game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, but so you know, in between getting frustrated with those dumb games, you know, just like throwing Tetris and it's just old trusty. Yeah, um, great. But it's kind of cool. You know, it's got two of the kind of innovations on Tetris in it. So it's got the hold piece. 
So you can, like, as something's dropping, you go, nope, don't want that now. I'll use that later. And you can only hold one piece at a time. Um, and then it's also got uh, T-spins, which are when you have a hole that looks like is the right size for a T, but if you drop it in right and then you spin it in the right direction. And so if you do that, you just get more points for the clear and you send more junk. That's fun. Um, or you, it shows you when someone's about to like send a bunch of shit your way. And so if you clear lines during that, it'll reduce how much stuff you get. Nice. So it's good for like defense and offense. Man, I can't remember where I saw it, but I watched recently a little docu- like a short documentary on the guy who brought Tetris to the States. Yeah. It was crazy. It was invented by a Russian dude. Yes. And he went to the USSR to get it. And essentially, like, was pretty sure he was going to die while he was there. It's a Cold War espionage story. But he was, like, so convinced that it was going to be make make him a, like, legit billionaire. Millionaire, yeah. I guess. Um, but it's a super cool story. That should be a movie. Yeah, right? And then, like, him and the, the designer are still, like, best friends. Because he pretty much, like, smuggled him out of the USSR. Yeah. If we pretend that Brian May did that, can <laughs> he make that a movie then? Well, if you guys want to read the graphic novel about that story, I have it. Nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. I would love to. I mean, you get that like, scene in the Tetris movie where he's like, wait, stay right there. You, do this. <laughs> Hold your arms out at right angles. Slide in. Now disappear your legs. We can fit you right through there, yeah. but you'll have to rotate. Um, down, down, left. Down, down, left. Down, down, left. Down on top of a building. Like, we need to fast drop. Um, but yeah, Tetris 99 is a lot of fun, and it's free. You know, it's, you know, like, Netflix shows are free. Yeah, right. Um, so it's air quotes free. Um, so it's a lot of fun. That sounds fun. Yeah. I feel like after we watch all the best pictures to see if there's anything worse than Green Book, we should just start watching all the nominees to see if there's anything worse than Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> no, we already know. <laughs> we already know that there are movies worse than Bohemian Rhapsody. They got nominated for best picture? Probably. Yeah, see? Probably. I mean, once you start getting into, like, back when it was just, like, a dinner party, and they'd be like, well, we really like this guy, so we nominated his movie. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm still pretty sure I'm going to like Green Book better than Wings. (laughs) I can't be certain. But what's the other movie that technically won that year, too? There were, like, two Best Pictures. Uh, So Wings, like, Wings won the award that, like, morphed into Best Picture, but there was a second award for a movie that everybody considers the best movie of the year. Right. And it's uh, Sunrise. That's a right. Song of Two Humans or something like that. So, so Wings and Sunrise, a tale of two humans, are going to be under the Tetris 99 timestamp yeah. in this podcast. Uh, Sunrise is apparently supposed to be, like, the best movie of the 20s. I don't know. It's like... But Wings is supposed to be just, like, they just... It's the best Films. skyscraper in Nebraska. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Who knows? Right. But I think Wings was as simple as just like, oh my god, they filmed airplanes. Yeah. And that's... Oh my god, airplanes are real. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. So, T spins and long pieces. Uh, there's like a website where you can find... some Somebody made up... Uh, Sounds like a sex thing. You just, uh, like, goofy names for uh, all the pieces. The only one I know, and it's one that you would, you would guess... Is that the the eye shape is called a long boy, and there's just like dumb slang for it's like it. spaghetti or yeah. scary spaghetti or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, like tiny cross is I think the T. Um, but anyway, the uh, it got me to watch like a short little YouTube uh, like binge of uh, this past year's uh, Tetris Grand Finals, uh, which is really interesting because the guy who won it for seven consecutive years lost to like this 16 year old kid from California. It's cool. 
That is awesome. Nice. Yeah. But anyway, so that's my Tetris Minute, which nice. went on for a few. Uh, but other than that, I have a jokey thing that I watched, which I like prefacing jokes by saying, here comes a joke. <laughs> that's uh, how you know it's good. We were sitting on the couch, and Kelly hadn't seen it before, and she turned on Geostorm. Oh, God. Oh, my Lord. I'm, I'm not actually talking about Geostorm again. Uh, but the other... Oh, we could do another, like, three-minute... Yeah. <laughs> three-second timestamp. But the other thing that I did finish was I finished Umbrella Academy. Oh, uh, yeah. I think Brent did, too. I did. Cool. Talkie talk cohesion. Yay. Glad David left. <laughs> what if... Yeah, he certainly hasn't... I actually don't think he's watched it. Um, so we can go full spoilery if we want to. Yeah, yeah. Let's. That's why we put timestamps in. Beware. Yeah, yeah we're, not, we're not going free spoilers. I'm not doing the timestamp thing anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I liked it. Um, there were things about it that I disliked. Uh, one of them maybe being Gerard Way's involvement. Because I thought the music was super cheesy. Uh, at times, uh, but it filmed like a comic book, so I kind of, yeah. I kind of like have to balance that trade off. I kind of gave it a pass on the music too. It wasn't annoying, like overly yeah. annoying, and it wasn't good at all. Right, know? it was a few of the choices. I would think like, oh, this is this is all right here, and all right was sort of its its ceiling. Yeah, and then this is just sort of like, eh, it was sort of its its basement. Like it's it can wasn't. We, can we get over like this? slowed down like half the beats per minute somebody that I used to know in like Portuguese like I'm so fucking over that shit dude god I think it was when like uh the rumor was dying maybe when you didn't know when she got her throat slit oh right and it was just like playing some like super happy upbeat song slowed down Mm -hmm. some other language I was like this is fucking god (laughs) I found it really hard to focus on. This is Luther. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because I Space really thought Boy. he was. I really thought Space Boy was one of the Goombas from Mario Brothers the movie <laughs> for a while there. You, you posted that image. It was weird. They waited a long time for that reveal. Yes, it was like episode six or something yeah. where you realize he has like the space gorilla body. Yeah, I I really wish that that was a little earlier. Right. Uh, not. Just because I thought it was disconcerting, but because it doesn't make sense why he's on the moon, and you don't find out until that episode either. Like, even just a throwaway line when you, like, believe that Hargreaves is, like, like loves all his kids and wants them all to succeed. Even if he were like, well, I was on the moon because I was collecting samples for Dad. Like, earlier in the show. But, like, that's the first you hear about why he's on the moon. Otherwise, he's just, like, some dude on the moon. Right. And so the whole time I kept thinking, like, is Luther actually, like, so strong that he was like, I need to go to the moon so that I don't hurt anyone? Kind of like a Lenny from like a Spider Man in the desert kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But just so he's like, everything I love, I kill by accident. <laughs> you get a bison man, I thought back to Spider Man. <laughs> <It's great. laughs> uh, so, I mean, and, I, and I, I don't know why, but like some of the characters are like woefully underdeveloped. Um, and some of them are just like plot all the way through. Like, you don't ever hear about any of Five's real relationships because he doesn't have any. But then you find out that he actually does. And he was, like, part of this time-traveling, uh, like, not parabola, uh, paradox-correcting agency. Kind of like it reminded me of um, the Adjustment Bureau. Yeah. The Philip K. Dick book in the mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Yeah. That was, a uh, Five was definitely one of my two favorite characters of the seven. Him and Klaus, I thought, were 
were good. Klaus, Klaus was really well developed. Klaus, star of Bad Samaritan. Ah, yes. Um, that's Robert Sheehan, I think his name is. Um, yeah, I thought that Klaus was the best. I thought that he stole the show, had the most to do, like showed the biggest range of emotions. Like the stupid love story between Luther and Allison is like, I wasn't even like it wasn't sold well enough for me to get grossed out by it. Um, right. So I was just like, whenever they would do their like, let's go in our like greenhouse tent, I was like, all right, who cares? Um, and then like more evidence that it was like kind of weirdly developed is at the very end, the last episode when they show Hargreaves is an alien. Yeah. Or, or from the future or something. He's an, he's an alien. Like that is just kind of like, here's a little morsel. Like, not shown at the end as, like, a teaser for the next season, but as, like, a... There was this, too. Yeah. That's that's what it felt like to me, is there was this, too. That's the whole a, time. That's a, how I felt about a lot of the exposition of, yeah. of the backstories in the show, which was just like, oh, now would be a good time to just throw this in there. Like, here's, here's a quick explanation of this. But it was just always kind of done clunkily, yeah. is, would be my description. Which is one of the reasons why I think I like Klaus's arc so much, because, like... With him, you understand completely why he's an addict. It's a complete arc. Yeah. And you understand, like, completely, like, what happens to him, like, the loss that he goes through, and, you know, obviously the daddy issues that go into it, but, like, all of that. And then, like, it develops the fact that he can, like, corporeally interact with the dead. Right. Like, slowly. And so you get Ben punching him in the face, and then you get him, like... Having, like, dying the and like, going and, to the barber shop. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. Klaus and Ben dynamic was great. Oh, I yeah. Thought. He's the only character that really has more than just one side to him. Because everybody else, they just explain sort of, like, the most important thing you need to know about the character. And then that's pretty much it. Right. And really clever screenwriting with the him taking the suitcase into the thing and then, it, like, getting in the car immediately and changing. Yeah. And being sober. And then you realizing he had been... He'd gone back in time for God knows how long. Yeah. And while he was running through the hotel. That was really clever, I thought. Yeah. Um, so then, it's Klaus and then Hazel. And the unfortunate thing about Hazel is that, like, Hazel's plot, I just, like, stopped giving a shit about once Five started meddling. So that didn't cut as well in the show as it did in the comic either, because they're, like, true psychopaths in the comic. Yeah, you were telling me that. Cha-Cha and Hazel are, like, fucking horrifying and super evil and... Like, I mean, the same way. I guess they they appear that way. You know, their job is to go through time killing people, right? So, but it's just so hard because the moment we meet them, so five is legendary to this agency. He's like this ultimate killer. He had like some involvement in the Kennedy assassination. He's the guy they trust to do like the hardest jobs, and then they send these two people after him. So you expect them to be good, but they're not. Yeah. Like they seem like like fools, right? Um, and Hazel kind of acts like one, but I like the character that he plays because I think that, that for most of, for most of the Umbrella Academy, they have a disconnect with humanity because it's instilled in them by Hargreaves. And I think there's a good job with all the set dressing and, you know, dialogue and writing to convey that, that they were, they were basically built to feel better than people. And then you get these killers who are you know you don't know who they are at first and then there's these like really human moments where he's just like hitting on the diner waitress 
yeah. and like talking about the jelly donuts and saying how he's like tired of his job. He doesn't get paid enough. Like the unions cut back his benefits. And it's like, okay, there are real human beings in this story, but they're like the least believable, like grounded thing. Um, so then when five goes to the, goes into the alternate timeline corrector mm-hmm. and kind of like fucks with everything and you get the note where it's like, you know, eliminate cha-cha for immediate extraction. It's like, well, I don't care anymore. Like they are under no directive. There's no like sense of like pride or accomplishment. This is just kind of wrenching this a spanner in the works. I never really cared about many of the characters, I guess. Yeah. And didn't feel like I needed to. I don't know. I mean, not definitely the way I watched it, I guess. It felt like more of like a roller coaster than a show where I was invested. Yeah. Just like a, this fun kind yeah. of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I, I really didn't like any of them until like episode six or seven with Klaus, pretty much. When he, the Klaus and Dave stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. This, you know. I feel like we're we're talking a lot about the negatives of the show, and we I feel like we all still kind of recommend it. Like, oh yeah, like it's fun for me. It's like a mild recommendation. Like if the this sounds like your cup of tea, if you like the X Men, but you just want different X Men in a different rich house, right? Uh, doing a Dark Phoenix storyline. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, check this. Out. I guess I, f- I felt rough when the when Pogo died. I guess that, yeah, that sucked a little. But yeah, that, that that feels like something that there was still a lot I didn't know that what was going on. Like with the, I didn't understand the mom plot line at all. Yeah, like her dying and coming back to life and him being like Diego, not Diego. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I understood Diego. her. Yeah. I understood her creation story, and that's about it. She was created. Yeah, because seven. They kept killing nannies. Right, but other than that, nothing about mother really made sense. Other than just she was, I knew what she was, but I didn't know. I didn't know why they had to unplug it was like the, her, yeah. or plug her back in. Well, or, or who uh, who plugged her back in? Yeah, was so it Pogo? It's Pogo who fixed her. Okay. So I understood that part only because I watched that episode kind of twice. Kelly fell asleep in the back okay. half, so when she rewatched it, I was at home and she was like, "I'm just going to rewatch the whole thing." I was like, "All right, fine." So they have the big gunfight with Cha Cha and Hazel and the fight in the house, which I think is the coolest moment of cool. the show. Uh, which also shows you how that's like when you get a glimpse of how good Hazel is because Luther is the strongest man in the world and Cha Cha is like kicking his ass. Yeah. Sorry, Hazel is. Right. Um, but at the beginning of the episode, Vanya says, uh, you know, mom's core directive is to help. She wouldn't kill dad. And then they're saying, like, but you can see in the video, she, you know, she did something to him. She might have poisoned him. And she does. But mom Vanya, too. yeah. Right. But Vanya was like, no, she protects. That's her number one directive. And then when they have the fight in there, she doesn't do anything. And so when Diego finally sees, like, oh, they might be right, she could be, like, fundamentally broken, that she could be capable of that. And, like, I'm not going to let other people kill her, so right. I'm going to shut her down because I had a stutter that you found out. And I guess you're led to believe like that ago. her new prime directive was probably be, like, like force them to come together to right. eventually save the world or whatever. My big takeaway on the Umbrella Academy is that it... My, I felt like it was a show that, or a season that had about five to six episodes worth of plot of, of like good story that got stretched over ten. So I felt like there was just a lot of a lot of stuff just sort of that was spinning wheels. We would go back and see Hazel and the the diner lady mm-hmm. kind of over and over again, and I just. Uh, there was a, about 30% of the show I just didn't really care that much about, but the rest was pretty entertaining. It's a show that I think it felt like it was built on, like, wait till this moment, and you'll go, aha, 
They're yeah. like, yay, or whatever. And those moments, the aha moments and the yay moments, paid off enough to where right. it wasn't that bad. Like, I like seeing Cthulhu come out of Ghost Ben. Yeah. I was like, sweet. That was cool. Yeah. My favorite moment of the entire season was when uh, the flashback when Lil Ben has to go back into the, to, to uh, take the out bank. the remaining bank robbers. Yeah. And he's just like, do I have to? Yeah. I don't like doing this. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes back just like covered in blood. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, it's, it's like, like, it's a right. weird power though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I read how they describe it in the books and it's that he, he has a portal under his skin to like a demon world. Yeah, he pretty much could summon like an infinite amount of monsters. It's yeah. just that that one monster is like the most efficient. Yeah. But it's like every time he does it, he has to like rip his skin open. Yeah. Which is terrifying. Yeah. Uh, I do think it's interesting, um, and you told me a little bit about the comics, but that for a show that's about the seven most special people on the planet, there's like 34 others that are out right. there. And we don't forty forty others, yeah. Yeah, and you don't hear anything about them. And I, you know, I don't know why Hargreave stopped at seven, but obviously seven's an important number. The number seven appears like randomly throughout in just yeah. like the background. Kelly pointed it out, and I just started to like put the pieces together. Yeah, but like, I would have thought that someone who's like I'm going to make this academy would have had a freshman class of more than seven people. Yeah, so there's a lot of like story that they're leaving blank in the comics too. Like I said, it's old, so I don't know. Whoops, I, I don't know if they're gonna finish anything or if there is a finish. But like, I know, and there's three series in the comics, and you never get a Ben death. Yeah, I mean, like, they don't ever reference it. I so I, I don't mind that. I thought that was no, a, I don't mind it either. I thought it yeah. was a little charming that the only thing they said about it was they showed the inscription on the grave that was basically like, "We knew you struggle with the darkness. I hope you find your path in the light." The it's, statue or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um, so I looked. At, I looked into the the novel. So there's there's two full volumes, uh, and then the third one hasn't come out yet. Oh, okay. So there is more of the graphic novel coming out. Uh, I imagine. I mean, this is this makes sense then because the, the second series is set in Dallas. In yeah, sixties. Yeah, yeah. But by, by the way, anytime we have some sort of fiction about like uh, time traveling, maybe uh, plots, why is it always the Kennedy assassination? Why is that the only example from history we have of just like this character was there and that explains everything? <laughs> like I don't know. I feel like it's time to find a new thing. I I agree, but I think it is the thing that is most present in people's memory. Of a time when the, a time when uh, the world was really on the brink of annihilation, like people built a doomsday clock and were moving the the minute hand closer and closer to midnight, and thought that Kennedy was the one person who had proven that he could de-escalate the Russians, and then all of a sudden he died, and the tumult that followed, and even like the, the presidency that followed, is just kind of. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's almost miraculous we made it through. Yeah, I guess it's, I see what Brent's saying, and I kind of agree for, like, people like us, but not for the masses, because the Kennedy assassination is just so relatable. Yeah. That's, like, that's the one why. thing they can... Right. Everybody can know what they're referencing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, I guess that. That's one of the things I like about The Watchmen, not to just talk about graphic novels, but that, like, like... rewrite all that? Is they rewrite all that, and uh, Nixon still gets elected, but the big turning point in... Watchmen American history is that Nixon never resigns. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, and Nixon and Watchmen, Nixon gets, he beats Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah, he beats Kennedy and then 
But he doesn't, like, resign from the post. Right, because in real life he was president 12 years later. Or right. Well, in The Watchmen, doesn't he, don't they change the Constitution so he can stay in office? Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. He's, like, still president, like, at the time, in, like, the late 80s. Right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. Watchmen's good. It's Watchmen. better than uh, the Umbrella Academy. Yeah, Watchmen's good. <laughs> give me, just, give me one, just give me one instance where someone travels through time and uh, coordinates the uh, the attack on Archduke Franz Ferdinand. Well, Umbrella yeah, Academy did. They showed Archduke Franz Ferdinand driving his car when they were talking about all the things that Five did. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's I, true. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, just, I finished the World War One hardcore history today. So. Oh, nice. I'm all about World War One. Yeah. Two. Oh, nice. One. one. Yeah, I finished that about a month ago. I was like, okay, I need a break from hardcore history for a while. I can't. I can do like one a month, man. That guy's on speed. He has. I, to I listened to all of World War One in like three weeks, <laughs> and it nearly killed me. <laughs> it is so good at it, though. Yeah, this is ridiculous. Is, is that Dan Carlin? Is his name? Yeah. 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 Very good. Well, it's a talking time recommendation. But yes. that's basically all I watched. Um, didn't really watch any movies, and uh, you know. Just what finished up Umbrella Academy. Cool. So that's that's me. I watched a couple of like kind of docu series on Netflix. One um, I'm skipping over because I always thought it was going to be like the uh, some like TLC kind of show, but the the world's most extraordinary homes. Have y'all seen that on Netflix? It's really good. Yeah, it's like Bourdain, but like in houses. It's like it's all about the architecture. And yeah. me and Cassandra have gotten to this place now where well and then Shayla did it once with me but like we'll watch a house not a whole episode yeah like watch them go to a house and they like it's real cool Brent they go into the house they talk to the architect they're well he's a Pierre's architect yeah and he goes they talk about how it's built why it's built they talk to the owner they spend the night and <coughs> dinner with the owner and uh they're also not houses like oh that's a nice like three story mansion it's like these are crazy fucking houses built in the sides of mountains and shit yeah <coughs> so, um, yeah it's super fun little watch and uh, their hosts are delightful they're Pierce Taylor and Caroline Quentin are really yeah good. I love Caroline I love that she if there's a pool she's getting in it yeah like like without a doubt and she there's always she always has some like cheeky joke about like ooh I love that swimming pool <laughs> it's just like the did you see the one where it was all like the uh, reclaimed construction material yeah uh, that house is fucking insane. Yeah. How it's it's all uh, cantilevered so that they there is one 20,000 ton slab of granite on the very top and if that wasn't there it would fall down <laughs> because it's all just like balanced because of how heavy this thing is in like the fulcrum. The first house was crazy. The All the walls were closets. Yeah. So it's like uber minimal, minimalist uh, like famous chef in Portugal. And there's nothing in her house. There's, like, a couch. And it's like, you press this, and a TV comes out of the floor, and, like, all the walls are paneled. And every time you press one, it'll open up, and there'll be shit in there. But, like, the house looks like there's a couch in it, and there's literally nothing else. Yeah. It's really weird. But it's a quick little watch on Netflix, and it kept recommending it to me, and I kept thinking it was wrong, but it was right. It kept saying, because you like Great British Bake Off, watch me. Yeah, that's what I was doing. And yeah. I was like, you fucking lie to me. Right. I don't see Sherry Berry. <laughs> I don't see even Noel Fielding. <laughs> Like, don't give that to me. But then I was hungover, and I just, like, didn't want to look, and I just put it on, and I went, this is delightful. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, and then I watched a few episodes of another Netflix series that's new called Losers. Oh. Have y'all seen that? Seen the trailer. So it's it looks really neat. Seven 30-minute episodes that focus on 
sports things you would find on ESPN, I'll say. And uh, they pretty much pick a like somebody who was getting their ass kicked in this thing and turned it into something fun or crazy or uplifting. Hmm. Um, the two I really, really recommend, there's one on curling, which is fucking awesome. And it's the, in the 80s, before it was an Olympic event, the Canadian Curling Championships. And they essentially, like, explains curling, it explains how this tournament worked, which is, like, all the curling clubs in Canada in one province would have this tournament, and then each province would go and essentially have, like, a World Cup for Canada okay. of curling. Yeah. And uh, there was this guy who was badass and won the thing a few times. And this other guy came along and realized that like, he could kind of break the game by pretty much hitting everything. Yeah. And just, like... So, back in the day, you would only score one point, but in ten innings... Or ends, I guess they're called there. Would the score would still be like nine to eight or whatever? It was just yeah. who was better, and he was like, "Fuck that! I can win every time, and I'm just going to win one to nothing." Just slam the stones out of the way every time. So he wrote this thing. He called it Covenant. It's all about him, like doing that. And eventually, curling changed the rules because it got so boring to watch. So he's pretty much responsible for curling being like. Once they made those rules, it like skyrocketed in popularity. Huh. But it's a thirty minute episode on it, little documentary on it. There's another one on a. Uh, so the English Premiership is the top league in English soccer. There's 21 levels. It goes all the way down to like people like me playing soccer. Well, better than me, but you know what I mean. Yeah, people that know like people am- that are amateurs si- signing the 20 million dollar contract. They're not getting paid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's this team that's <laughs> playing there, and they're in level four. Once you get out of level four, it's really hard to get back up. Everything level four and up is professional, and you're making money where you can play soccer and just play soccer. Mm-hmm. This team is at the bottom. They need to tie to not get booted out. It's the first year of automatic relegation. They're down two to one going into there's four minutes of extra time and people start getting drunk and throwing shit on the field. And this cop comes up with a dog. The dog gets off the leash and bites the best player for the <laughs> team who's losing two to one. So the riot starts like they start running at the cop and the dog and you know, they get all that shit under control and it gets like eight minutes of stoppage time put on the clock, and they end up tying and staying, and they've never been relegated since. And they, but they interview like the guy, and he's like, "Yeah, the dog's dead, but the dog saved the team from getting relegated." <laughs> Nineteen, and they got like footage from it in the seventies. But again, it's like a twenty-five minute episode on this little like weird fucking sports story. Then huh. um, there are other ones that are like this black figure skater kept getting like horrible scores because she was black, yeah, or whatever. And how she turned that around, and like she started a school for underprivileged figure skaters or whatever. Yeah, there's some like warm up, some like tune up job boxer story, yeah. right? Yeah, where it's like anyone who's got a chance at a card, if you have a shifty enough promoter, right? Like they're gonna schedule you against this guy to pad your record. But I blew through them all one morning at work while I was like entering data. Nice, I just put them on, and they're super fun and delightful, and they're great. Like they're all thirty minutes. Losers, losers nice. on Netflix. The trailer's really sharp. We almost started it. Yeah, it's fun. Um, and that's it for me. Just those little two TV shows. Well, that's my turn now. I don't have a lot, but uh, <clears throat> first one TV show. I watched two seasons of a TV show this week. Nice. Um, the, the last two seasons you needed to of Game of Thrones? <laughs> no, I finished Game of Thrones before last week's podcast. Okay, right. um, now, this was, uh, I watched the first two seasons of FX's Better Things. Oh uh, yeah, the 
Pamela Adlon yeah. series, uh, co-created by Louis C.K. Yeah, sort of. who's now not involved. Right. Um, <laughs> but, like, critically acclaimed, like, yeah. more so than Louis, I think, which is yes, crazy, because Louis was loved. Yeah. I think Louis is probably funnier. Louis is probably more of a straight comedy than Better Things. Better Things <laughs> is definitely a family dramedy. Okay. I mean, I hate that term sometimes, but this is a... It's, sometimes it works. It is a... Like a blackish kind of level of... No, this Blackish is definitely more comedy. I think. Oh, okay. Or at least it's more. It, there's different kinds of comedy, you know. Like there's uh, this, Seinfeld versus Friends. Well, I think both of those are more jokey than this was. <laughs> this is just sort of a uh, a comedy that you don't I want to keep guessing before you tell me. Yeah, say, you keep interrupting when he's about to tell you the answer. <laughs> this is like a, a just a, sort of a comedy, which is like you just kind of have to like laugh at the situation at times, like rather than like. One-liners and and gags. I didn't find myself laughing out loud very much, but I did would go back and just think like, man, that was just awesome that what this little girl said or whatever. Right. And uh, um, the drama though in the show is fantastic. It's really nice. really good. It's about uh, she is a plays kind of a version of herself. She's a a working actress in Hollywood, so she gets occasional commercials or. Uh, Pilots that don't go to air, yeah, and then, guest starring uh, roles in NCIS, shit like that, right? And then uh, she's a voice actress, which is what she's done maybe most successfully in real life. Is she was mm-hmm. the voice of uh, Bobby Hill, yeah? Um, and uh, it's just about her raising her three girls. One's like a fifteen to seventeen year old. Uh, one is probably about thirteen, fourteen, and then the other one's maybe ten or eleven. And uh, the kids are like. Um, they're sh- they're shitty a lot of the time, but they're also like really cool a lot of the time. It it reminded me a little bit of that. Uh, you know how in Lady Bird they have that scene that I know we all love where they break the they break an argument to have like a moment of like doesn't this doesn't this dress look nice or whatever? And uh, the mom's like, oh, that looks so good on you. Yeah. And then they go back to arguing. There's a lot of that in Better Things where it's just she's like kind of real. Real life. Yeah, where she's yeah. like, hey, can y'all stop being shitty to me for just like three minutes? I need to talk to you about something, and then we can go back and be shitty to each other. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, she is fantastic in the show. Uh, the kids are all really, really good, too. There's a, a pretty great supporting cast as well. Um, highly recommend. It's, you know, 20-minute episodes, and there's only 10 episodes a season, so you can blow through a season in hardly any time. Nice. She was she was great in Lucky Louie, the show that I always thought was better than Louie. Um, I think I'm the only one here who's seen it. It was HBO I watched sitcom episodes of it. Yeah, in like the early mid aughts, I guess. But uh, she was great in that too. So cool. Yeah. I thought she was fantastic in uh, in Californication. She plays a uh, wife's best friend. Oh uh, yeah, she plays the husband of the bald guy from Sex and the City. Yeah, I know yeah. About. yeah. Man, Californication started off so strong. I just got so bored with it. It's the the thing that I hate the most about a long running TV show is plot armor. Is when you give your protagonist plot armor. It's fine in a show, and I haven't seen Walking Dead in a long time. It's not why I stopped watching it. I just got bored with it. Yeah. But when you can give your main character plot armor, but you can't keep like amping up the ridiculous shit that they do. Right. <laughs> and like in Californication, like the guy is like literally famous for fucking a minor and yeah. like doesn't go to jail on statutory rape, which is not how statutory rape works. Right. Like <laughs> you are either guilty or you're not. 
and it is defined by the statute whether you are, your intention doesn't matter. <laughs> and someone wrote a tell-all book about it and testified about it. So right. that's done. You can't not put that guy in jail. Yeah. But anyway. Better things. Better, Better things. Good shit. Pamela Adlon is great. It's, it's, yeah. It is worth the, you know, it's one of the most hyped and well-reviewed shows on television uh, today. And it's uh, it lives up to it. Nice. Um, and I watched one movie this week. 36. <laughs> okay. Uh, I watched Fury. Fury. A Star Wars story is what I'm calling this movie. Uh, I want to see uh, Captain Marvel. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah. Cool. The Fury joke is that uh, the Nick Fury we get to see in this movie provides us absolutely no new insight into Nick Fury whatsoever. It is just a checklist of things you wondered about Nick Fury's past. Oh, okay. So, it's the... It, oh, so it, have both eyes in the movie starts? It reminded me of Solo. <laughs> nice. And where it's just like, oh, so we're just... The, the whole... This is just a show, like, how did this happen? How did this... How did this name come about? And I was just like, stop doing this, Disney. Anyway. Uh, yeah, saw Captain Marvel today. Yeah, how was it? It was, uh... It was all right. It was yeah. it was okay. I've I've heard people put it somewhere near the top of the bottom third of Marvel movies. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I could maybe see that. I might need to rewatch some of the bottom third. For me, it's closer to the bottom. Yeah, it's it is just a lot of. If you've seen one origin story, it feels like this is nothing new in that in that department. That's a bummer because I was really hopeful that Captain Marvel, who is like a to all of us normies who don't like you know run every Tuesday to get new issues, is like a relatively unknown superhero, and like the story about Captain Marvel is that like the Captain Marvel like entity has been around in the universe for a long time. Mm-hmm. Carol Danvers just gets picked. This is sorry if this is a spoiler for anyone, but no, yeah, it's like the Green Lantern. Right? That's kind of how it always. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I was I was hoping that there would be a little more of like. And kind of like Shazam, which right. is the movie that I think is going to be rated higher than a Marvel, an MCU movie, which is going to be fucking crazy if that's true. <laughs> People are in love with Shazam. Yeah. I think it's like hilarious and brilliant. Yeah. It's... The, the first 20 minutes are kind of boring. Um, once you get back to sort of her... Uh, once she winds up on, on Earth, yeah, which is the bulk of the story... It starts to pick up a little bit at that point, and it's it's a fairly interesting. I don't want to bash it too strongly, but it's uh, uh, there are a few good things. Brie Larson's really good in the yeah. role, which is which really helps. It really helps watching that movie when when Brie Larson is is good as the as the lead. Um, there are a couple of good jokes in the movie, but they they kind of reuse them and overuse them a bit. Which so she punches a bunch of old ladies. Because that is the best joke in the trailer. That was uh, maybe one of the better parts of the movie, um, the the little the fight scene on the on a train. But yeah, it's uh, you know I, I got out of that. I went to see the movie with Al, and uh, we walked out and we just, just said, oh, "What'd you think?" And we were both just sort of like, "Eh," like <laughs> you know. I think this movie is really being touted as like, "Go see this movie so that you'll be ready for Endgame." Yeah. And I think all you need to know for Endgame is just Captain Marvel is super powerful. Okay. Yeah. And that's it. That is literally and We the got only that thing. from Endgame, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, or, yeah. Um, Not Endgame, yeah, from Infinity War. Yeah. Although it's a little frustrating at times, someone this powerful that Nick Fury knew about, like, 
Page her sooner. Why was it? First off, New York nearly was destroyed. <laughs> uh, that whole country in Europe or whatever was nearly destroyed. Sarkovia? So, yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember yeah, either. Sarkovia Accords. Okay. Yeah. You've had a lot of really close calls with horrible devastation. And then Thanos, you literally only pick up the phone to call her as you are fading into oblivion. <laughs> the hell is wrong with you? And so, that's a... I mean, again, I guess this is the whole, like, yeah. Like, I, the, I also thought, like, I was like, I don't know if this is the best character to introduce to this series, because having a Superman sort of breaks the, like, um, the tension a little bit of, of, like, can they get things done? Because this is... Well, yeah, I mean, it depends. I mean, th- they did create a villainous Superman, I guess, in the last movie. Yeah. So... You know, so can literally snap his fingers and just kill anybody who's looking at him. So was was Nick but, Fury? Yeah. Was Nick Fury? Was his like? Was he really just betting on black and playing roulette? Because like, if he didn't get in touch with her sooner, there was a fifty fifty shot that no one could save them. Well, how do we not know that she was snapped? Yeah, because I, don't, I guess because he paged her. And he's he just was, he's just hoping. Yeah, it's like oh, I forgot about this thing I've carried in my pocket for twenty five years. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> this, this like, hey, if the world ever seems like it's in real bad shape, just this beep, boop, boop. steampunk beeper, <laughs> and I can I can summon look like Superman. So, but I don't know. You know, it's got some decent a- action scenes. Um, How's Jude? He is your standard uh, person in in you know second build in a origin story is he military origin military guy he is uh he looks super plain in the trailers he is Cree. that doesn't mean anything to me oh he's the same race as the bad guy from guardians yes okay yes okay uh, ronan yeah ronan the so like spartan basically yeah yeah so at the beginning of the movie the the kind of setup for this story is that uh, she, I forget what her name is, what her Cree name is, but she's a Cree warrior um, on this team with Jude Law. Uh, one of the team members is uh, Jamon Hansu. Oh, cool! From who's the uh, Guardians? Yeah. And uh, oh, so so is, is he a Ravager in Guardians? No, he's one of uh, Ronan's guys. Yes. Yeah. So they're all working for uh, whatever Ronan's uh, title is. Yeah. Whatever one of those people from from some generic homeworld or yeah. whatever. And uh, they are fighting the uh, Skull? Skull? Scroll? Scroll? Maybe Scroll. <laughs> I feel like it's... Uh, I feel like the I'm, Scroll. Okay. S-K-R-U-L-L. Okay. The okay. Kree and the Scroll. You know, super easy to follow. The, the Nick Scrolls. Yeah. Uh, they're engaged in a war with them, and so it's sort of about her. She keeps having these, like flashes though of a memory of like her flying F-16s and her uh, you know drinking in a bar with her buddies and so she doesn't know what these these flashbacks are from and mm. so that's sort of the story is uh, she winds up heading to Earth to try to um, investigate some plot device I don't know it doesn't matter cool and then so from there she kind of learns about her past but it's it's not a waste of two hours, but it's also not. It's not going to enhance your. It's understanding. good to hear from all the people who are just going to watch the movie no matter what you say. Yeah, <laughs> so that's nice. Yeah, 
but it's also not nothing to get your uh, I don't think to get your hopes up hugely for. Yeah. I think I think luckily that's not what people were looking at this movie for. I don't think they were looking at this as like the next big Marvel property. It's a it's an in-game it's, trailer. It's the one before the, two the next one. Yeah. We were joking that they should uh that like they wouldn't let us leave until we just went ahead and bought our tickets for Endgame because it's why we were <laughs> feel like that was just gonna be at the end of the movie. Uh, also, I love how the the at the end of the movie it's just like uh, Captain Marvel will return in Avengers Endgame and Al's just sitting next to me and he's like, oh, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? What's but, what's Avengers? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just really liked Room. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, that is my advice, is that if you can't make it to see Captain Marvel in the theater, don't put off seeing Endgame because of that. Right. Because it's not that important. It is just, uh, it is just backstory. Just know that she's super powerful. She is Superman. Okay. Except she doesn't shoot laser beams out of her eyes, she shoots them out of her fists. Oh, good. Could have gone in a different direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I don't really recommend it unless you're just a Marvel acolyte and then yeah you're gonna see it anyway so what my words don't matter I can't add another scar onto my MCU uh, list I think Iron Man 3 is gonna be there for a while because I can't find it to watch for free oh hey, really I'm probably gonna have to wait for Disney Plus but uh, speaking, speaking of Disney of Plus Disney Plus Breezy Blow the Streets where where you say Breezy on the screets. On the scrolls. <laughs> yeah. Breezy on the creets. <laughs> so yeah, we shared a, someone... So yeah, Luke Perry's... <laughs> oh no. So TJ shared a, a news article, uh, Disney Plus has confirmed that they are going to have every Disney movie. And Brady sent it to me. So, hat tip. Yeah. Thanks Brady. Thanks yep. for the lookout. That, that's what we call when you uh, give us a tip on Breezy, we call it a hat tip. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yes that's cool I mean all of us are probably going to sign up for Disney Plus or we're going to do what Netflix has let us do and one of us is going to sign up for it and the rest of us are going to log in like thieves in the night well they finally Netflix finally put a kind of a stop to that you have to pay for more TVs now yeah I think you can have like five accounts and like I don't think it's the number of devices. I think it's it is devices. Okay, yeah, it's devices. We're, no. we're my our account is uh, two devices at once. Yeah. Okay. So That's we can't have both TVs on and like the tablet on. It won't let us. Oh wow. But uh, from what I've read, Disney's going to have they want to be under Netflix's price point, so it's not going to be something you need to like share anyway. That's awesome. I mean, they could do that. That's the thing is Netflix is thirteen ninety nine. People people forget that Netflix keeps increasing its price. The last article I read was guessing. The starting price for a Disney Plus is going to be five ninety nine a month. Jesus, that is a great deal. Well, I mean, the thing is, you just get everybody on at five ninety nine a month, and then you can raise it up to, you know, pretty much anything under twenty bucks a month. And people aren't going to, yeah, aren't mm-hmm. going to quit. That Especially was... if they have everything, including. I mean, Brady also commented because Al made the joke of, "I'm going to go ahead and guess that Song of the South isn't included," and everybody was like, "Yeah, of course not." And Brady was like, "No." Iger came out and said, "It's going to have Song of the South. It's going to have everything in the vault." I would love to watch Song of the South again. I mean, I don't. I know why it's gone, and I understand. But yeah, like I watched that shit when I was a like, three year old, and I definitely didn't think it was racist then. <laughs> yeah, I want to. I want to. Those songs are great. I want to watch some of the old weird shit. Like I've never seen Black Cauldron, and that's like never been like released in a remastered version because no one saw it when it came out. And it's yeah. just like weird Welsh fairy tale. Yeah, about some like chamber pot boy. I want to watch fucking Bambi. I haven't seen Bambi in forever. Yeah, like Snow White's. 
supposed to be one of the best animated movies of all time. I've seen it. It's in the Library of Congress. Right. <laughs> so, that, like, and that's dropping soon, right? What's the... May? They keep saying soon. I don't know when. If, I don't know. I, uh... Looking forward to their original content too, the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, yeah, fun. that'll be fun. And I'm so glad that's not about Boba Fett. But you're also getting everything like our, everything Marvel, everything Star Wars. Yep. I mean, it's gonna be. You're getting all the Disney live TV shows. If so. it opens at fifty nine dollars, it's gonna be worth it, even if you just do it for a few months and get caught up on everything. Right. Yeah. I've also heard that uh, the, one of the articles mentioned that they uh, they were considering doing what Netflix does and just uh, you know buying the rights to other content for a while too yeah and just having a library that's bigger than disney on there yeah which I mean, is which is fun too yeah how could it be yeah bigger than disney yeah what what's not disney yeah <laughs> we also got dreamworks i guess that's it yeah but in sadder news yeah luke perry passed away um and he obviously best known for beverly hills 9210 and i guess his biggest movie is Probably eight seconds. That's what the first thing I think of. Yeah, we watched that movie in high school like ten times. Agriculture class. <laughs> that movie has absolutely zero to do with agriculture. But it's a... I like high school it. teachers in Covington. Not the sharpest. It's a <laughs> sneaky, <laughs> sneaky sports movie, I guess. I don't remember much about it. I still don't know why it's called that. I don't understand the radio. <laughs> <laughs> but Luke Perry seemed like a nice guy. I he he played Archie's dad in Riverdale, so yeah. I know that the Riverdale community, which is huge, people love that show, man. That's su- awesome. Super upset. Um, it sucks. Whenever he had memorable cameos in like The Simpsons too. Yeah, I think Will and Grace in the nineties. He had some, but you know the sad thing is, I think for nineties and I think older than us, Beverly Hills ninety two and O was relaunching with all of the original cast. Including Luke Perry. Yeah. And my, my guess he is. He had a that strike will, like the day after. My guess is that will probably still happen. They'll just delay it for a while because I'd rather. Oh, I'm just being sad for people that wanted to see Luke Perry on it. Sure. Again. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that they were not going to. He was not going to be a full timer because okay. of Riverdale. Okay. I'd read that he was. That they were expecting to get everybody except one cast member, and then they said Luke Perry was going to be limited in his role okay. in, in that. So, you know, that's something that may still happen. I. Yeah. I don't think this this kills the nine hundred two one zero comeback if that's something people care about, but it definitely puts a damper on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's it's a shame. He was very young, fifty two. Yeah, yeah. Stroke like the day after the contracts got signed for the reboot too. It's a bummer. Yeah. You got some more breezy too, I think, Chris. Yeah. Well, no, no good segue out of death. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna pad a story in before the one I was gonna say because uh, right. the other one's a little blue, uh, but. Uh, today came out the story that uh, Juliet Julianne Moore said that uh, she didn't decline the role or leave the movie. Uh, Can you forgive me playing the role of Lee Israel? Uh, she was fired. Yeah, I didn't know if she had actually. Left. I didn't know what to think about how she left. I just knew that her and X the movie didn't get along. Yeah. Um. But she was on um uh uh. Andy Cohen's show, uh, I forget what it's called, because it's like, look who's talking live, whatever. Right. Um, but, and she was like, yeah, the director and I had a real problem in pre-production, and I don't think they liked the way that I was working, and I'm still really hurt about it. 
Um, and it pains me that I got fired from a role. And she's like, I love Melissa McCarthy. I think she's great. She's an idol. Uh, but, you know, it, this one still kind of stings. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting that she won an Oscar, what, like two years prior? It's been longer than that now, but yeah, <coughs> still else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, sucks for her, but also, like, it's going to happen. Yeah. You're in a job where you're constantly auditioning for shit. Yeah. And they knew what they had with this, and Oscar Beatty, and it's a director. It's, yeah. I think that's why a lot of people who aren't, I mean, the industry people obviously know it. We know it, but I really didn't start thinking about it until me and Brent, I remember a specific conversation before the podcast started with Brent where it's like, we need to start thinking about these movies as the director's child and not like one of the best Leonardo DiCaprio movies. Right. Because he's just a pawn. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he might be a bad example because he is, you know, but involved mo- now. But most actresses and yeah. actors, they don't, they're just there. Yeah. It's a director's child, and if you don't agree with the director, you're going to get fucking canned. Yeah. Mo- mo- movies aren't like whatever team LeBron James is on. Yeah, they're like, your they're your boss. Yeah, don't piss off your boss. He's gonna fire you. Right. So, but I like Julianne Moore. Yeah, most like McCarthy. So. I do, and I like Melissa McCarthy in that role. It sucks that they had a falling out, but right. it's not like she's never gonna work again. Uh, so the other story: How do you guys feel about free speech? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan. Uh, do you think that it that it should still be unfettered free speech if you try and charge for it? All right, how about this? Separate question. <laughs> Would you play a game where you are in the zombie apocalypse and you are playing the character who is a serial killer and your goal is to uh, rape a bunch of women? I wrote about that this week. Yeah. No. So, so uh, there's a little bit of controversy. Uh, Steam, you know, the, the game publishing arm or distribution arm yeah. of Valve. Uh, has recently put their foot down and said, we are not going to put your game out that you are charging money for that is glorifying rape. Uh, the game is called Rape Day. <laughs> and... Yeah, it's not like there's a... It's not like I was there's say, a like, scene yeah. that, that, like, borderline glorifies that, it. That's the plot. That's the, the plot. Oh, yeah. No, you are a serial killer in the zombie apocalypse and your goal is to hunt down women and take advantage of them. So, Steam has always kind of dedicate itself to be an open platform for like dollars will decide the audience will vote down things that are bad um but this was something they were like yeah no 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 we are definitely not letting this game up on our platform and it's interesting because like maybe in like december they recently like took down a bunch of games or 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 didn't allow games to be distributed on there from creators where the game had like animated characters of questionable age in sexual situations, and so there was some there was kind of some backlash around that, right? Where people were like, "Come on, this is like kind of like the genre of the art where it's you know ambiguous age, but it's still like you know at the beginning there's a thing that's like oh, everyone in this is over eighteen, uh, or it's the weird like thing where they'll say you know oh it's a thousand year old like being but she's in the form of like this 16 year old and so steam like stopped a bunch of stuff and so everyone was kind of ready with their pitchforks and then it's like yeah but they should do this content monitoring stuff because rape day uh yeah i mean first off if anybody's actually arguing the free speech thing they're just wrong and an idiot 
Well, so I'll throw that out there. Because Steam is not the U.S. government? Buy a website and sell your game. <laughs> yeah. Until yeah. the government tells you to stop, there's no free speech problems. Well, that's the thing. And with, like, to, to publish a game on Steam, you have to pay. Like, you have to pay to put your game into their, like, marketplace. Right. Unless you are, you have some, like, relationship and you've published X number of games, like, you, you have to pay money to them. I think it's, like, it's still, like, a hundred bucks. But, like, that is more expensive than it would be if you just, like, put out a game. And the game is apparently, like, fucking garbage. Not just because of the content. But the gameplay is bad. All the art is like bad. Yeah, I'm guessing the best designers didn't jump on board for this one. No, <laughs> like the the designers anonymous. Uh, of course he is. <laughs> the, the mission statement on the website, which looks like it was made from GeoCities, because they do have a website. Um, I just don't think they can pay for the bandwidth to distribute it. Uh, says that the mission of the game, the mission statement, was to make like. Rape culture more defined, or something like that. And it's just like, it's just really disgusting. So, in a world where it seems like people get away with saying whatever heinous shit they want and there's no consequence, it's kind of nice to see someone saying, hey, wait a second, that's not fucking cool. So, I would have published it for two reasons. <laughs> First, I think it would be a great example of, uh, a test of the old uh, adage that that uh, you know certain people like to say, which is like, you know what, we don't need to legislate, uh, yeah, like racism or anything because the free market will bear it. Like we will, we will shut that down. Yeah, um, you know, I don't, about, I don't the believe free market that. we had before the sixties. I don't. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I think people would just say like, well, you, you know, you don't have to shut this down because people aren't going to buy a game called you know. Rape day, uh, until they all do. So that I think that would be the first fun exercise regarding this. Uh, the second is that it would. Yeah, give, I would have bought that game when I was fifteen. I mean, I would have. I would have been like, like, "Oh, it's so controversial." Yeah, I'll just show my friends and get more popular. Yeah. So the. <laughs> I mean, that's what fifteen-year-olds did. The second reason I would publish it is since you said it sounds like it's like an actually bad game. Yeah. Is to. Really make all the incel uh, reviewers out there really struggle with what to how to rate this game <laughs> because you know do you give it a good rating because it's your it's rape day right or do you give it a bad rating because it's a horrible game right so really tough tough decision for those wackadoodles. Here's here's a third reason why you should publish it because then anyone who buys it you should ban from Steam. <laughs> so where do y'all sit? You should on just publish the, like, their names. Yeah. <laughs> Like, this is the list of people who, who downloaded this game. Torture, murder, and GTA games compared to this. Where where do y'all just draw the line at rape? I I don't think that there is because I do. I mean, I don't I don't have a good answer other than like, nah, this is different. I mean, I, I certainly but, do, but I'm also not of the. So there's definitely a school of thought that thinks that all rape portrayed media should be avoided, and not for trigger warnings or anything. But it is just a. It is a school of thought that is out there that is, you know, scholastically supported with, you know, research that it's like, it's bad, it normalizes it. And the same thing can be said about, like, 24. 24 is a show that is, like, hated in a lot of circles because it basically normalizes torture and desensitizes people to it. Right. But there is, I mean, I I do think that that there is something that is fundamentally wrong about, like, depicting graphic scenes of rape. In, like, it's, in its, like heinously personal, like, nature. But I don't think I draw a hard line that only is, like, everything else is fine, rape's not okay. 
I think that, that there have been instances, and specifically about games, where they try and glorify murder or, like, you know, situations where you're taking advantage of, you know, disenfranchised people. Uh, and I think that that is just as disgusting um, and should be relocated to the trash heap of, you know, Steam banning your game. Right. Um, so, recently there was a game, and I forget what it's called, but it was, I think it was called, like, Hatred... Um, and it's like a black trench coat wearing like asshole dude. And your whole goal is to go into areas populated by civilians and just like, they cause as much carnage as possible, including like shooting people. And it's got this like, you know, 14 year old writing edge to it that makes it sound like, you know, the kid who wore the blackest black in your school wrote it. Right. And it's just, it's nonsense. And if it was like... Rape day isn't funny, but, like, how bad it is makes it kind of, like, the butt of a joke. Not one that I am smart enough to tell, but, like, this game, Hatred, was the same way. Because people with ideas like these to glorify these topics aren't smart. Because they don't understand that, like, concepts like this are fundamentally damaging to people. Right. So, yes, I think that it is a special category, but I think there are things that belong near it. Uh, right. Steam has banned a game that was called School Shooter, where the whole thing is you go and you Good. Again. Shoot, shoot up yeah. a school. <laughs> right. You know, and I think murdering kids also belongs there. Sorry, it's not murdering kids. And I don't say that that's like good or should be portrayed, you know, like lightly. But glorifying it is the fucked up part. Is making you making people celebrate you as a player character, as an avatar for this action which is fundamentally wrong. Like, there are games that handle really delicate topics. Modern Warfare 2 is getting remastered. I was re- just remastered. about to bring up No Russian. Yeah, yeah, they have a really famous level called No Russian where you are basically following orders and you are going through an airport and you are killing people of one ethnicity. And it got a lot of shit and is one of the reasons why now when you turn on lots of games, you can say, it says at the very beginning of the game when you boot it up for the first time, hey, you cool with violence, this has these types of scenes in it. Right. Say yes and you'll see him say no and you won't. Um... And there's, you know, there's, there's just, like, they don't make you feel good about it. No, like, you feel really bad. In fact, you can actually complete that level without pulling the trigger. Yeah. And you can... But you get screamed at by, like, your superiors, and yeah. you can go through it. Likewise, there's a game called Spec Ops The Line, where it's another shooting game, and in it... You get these loading screens, which are typical from, like, first-person shooters. They give you, like, tool tips. They talk about, like, other military heroes. They talk about, like, Patton, like, facts about him. And, like, as you go through, they start kind of peppering in, uh, like, stuff about, like, your character. And, like, the impact that your decisions have made. And by the end, they're basically calling you a monster. And have, have said, like, the decisions that you've made while you have done everything that you need to do um, as a, an effective military weapon... Uh, you know, has real life impact. So it'll be, you'll be like playing, you'll make these decisions and you'll, you know, kill some, like who you, who you've been told is a terrorist. And like, there'll be like a loading screen after that level and be like, you know, you just orphaned seven children. And then like, you'll keep playing. And so it, it doesn't give you a choice, but it doesn't make you feel good about the fact that you're basically like a mercenary. Right. In the Middle East. So there are ways to have that. This is my, long way of saying there are ways to talk about delicate situations and portray them in media and not glorify them and then be effective mm-hmm. yeah like I'm not on the side of video games do shit the common video games yeah 
uh, you know, amp up gun deaths or anything. But, like, I do have to say I'm in the position that I can't argue with, like, Grand Theft Auto is fucked up. Like, I can't, like, yeah, like, the more, like, you're, people will play that game just to get more stars. So, like, there's a, so a tank comes out. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you do that by fucking murdering masses amounts of people. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I get it. Like, yeah, I probably wouldn't let my kid play that game until he left my house. Just because I don't have a reason. I can't draw the line between that and that. You know right. what I mean? Um, but that's fucking nuts. You said before the podcast, you're like, I'm going to blow, you blow y'all's mind and breezy. And you succeeded. I just can't believe that there's someone. I, I I can't believe the fucking cowardice that they're that they're remaining anonymous. Yeah, I feel like if you're gonna fucking do it, like why did you do it then? Right. Oh, I thought you meant the website anonymous. No, published. No, like this, it, it is an individual whose identity is undisclosed. Okay. Like now, like I really don't understand it. Like, no, it makes it scarier, kind of. You know on, what I mean? But they're on 4chan. Yeah, it's it's yeah. some it's some fucked up fetish. Where this guy is like, I don't understand why everyone's so sensitive about rape. He's making a uh, boy and his dog the video game, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. But, anyway. Well, what's coming out this weekend? I'll tell you. Nancy Drew in the Hidden Staircase. <laughs> I didn't want to follow Luke Perry with that. So even though I was ready to let Julianne Moore story go, I had to pad it with it. So, uh, three films coming out this weekend. One is uh, Nancy Drew's latest adaptation. Sophia Lillis is playing the title role. She is Bev in It. Oh, cool. Yeah, and uh, I think she was one of my one or two or three of the, the Losers Club that I like the best. Yeah, the she, was she was fantastic in that. Um, so she's in that. Nobody else in that you really know. There's also Wonder Park, uh, which the trailer's is, uh, out there for a while. Matthew yeah. Broderick, Jennifer Gardner. The trailer has been out for a while. It's a live action mixed with animation, predominantly animated, but it's a girl who used to play with her parents in a make-believe theme park, and, um, you know, when it goes full pretend, it goes animated. And she yeah, has a theme walks park through the woods and finds this theme park where it's, it's all real. And a huge voice cast. Ken Thompson, uh, Ken Jong, Mila Kunis, John Oliver, cool. David Cross. And also Five Feet Apart, starring one of Brent's favorite young actresses, Haley Lee Richardson. Haley Rich. And Cole Sprouse of Sweet Life fame. Um, and everybody else you know, so it looks more like an indie film. And, uh, yeah, it's just a romantic comedy released by CBS. CBS? Films. Yeah, it's directed by Justin Baldoni. What has he done? Oh, let's find out. Um, Justin, what you been in? Oh, you just told TJ? Okay. What do you tell you? Nothing. Okay. <laughs> cool. Directorial debut. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. We'll see. Five Feet Apart is, it has one of those covers where it's like, am I going to love this movie or fucking hate this or movie? Or is this going to be the hundredth movie I've seen like this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I'm actually going to go for Nancy during the Hidden scare, hidden Staircase. I love a good whodunit. Yeah. I don't like kids' movies. They're fun. Yeah. So, I'm going Nancy Drew and the Hidden Staircase starring Sophia Lillis. Remember that name? I'm also going to go Nancy Drew because there's a mystery, and that mystery is I need a bathroom break and can I take it now? <laughs> go for it. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy. Uh, the movie does not sound like my cup of tea, but I made a vow the day I saw Columbus, which was I'm going to keep watching everything <laughs> Haley Lou puts out until until she disappoints me. Maybe this will break the streak. 
So sat with Chris and me and go see Nancy Drew at the Hidden Staircase or join Brent's Haley Lou squad and go check out Five Feet Apart Haley Lou. Uh, I've only seen her in the one film. Um, ah, shit. I can't remember the name of it now. Regina Hall's movie. Uh, support the girls. Support the girls, and she was fucking fantastic in that. So um, three for three for me. Yeah, not a bad pick. And Wonder Park, it looked cute, but it just looked kind of. Yeah. I think that's it. Right. Take us out, breezy. Well, that was Talkie Talk. This is Brent. That was TJ, and that was Chris. And uh, we thank you for listening. We would please request that you subscribe, and on the occasion that you actually enjoyed this, give us a rating. Uh, please contact us through email or Twitter, the media by us. You can uh, f- join our Facebook groups, TV by us, movies by us, games by us, where you know you can get uh, get some spoilers for the upcoming breezies. Uh, that's where a lot of this comes from. And last but not least, thanks, Willow Walkers. Willow Walkers. They did that song you listened to earlier, and thanks, Burifa. Burifa. They do that song you're listening to now. Bye-bye. Bye! Kicking rocks down old dusty roads Small town slowpokes long time ago Kicking out records of all the things that I know